0: The award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, Drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. We're glad you're tuning in. Thanks for watching, for listening. we got a great show lined up for you today. We are at Hatfield Knob in, uh, is this La Follette, Matt? Yeah, just outside of La Follette. Outside of La Follette. But we are at the Hatfield Knob where the elk viewing tower is located. Uh, we're going to do a few shows up here on, on the hill and, and we're going to do some shows about elk and we actually saw a few walking around out there earlier, so uh, stay tuned. Keep coming back because the next shows are going to be about elk, but uh, today we have Tony Smotherman with us. going to talk about muzzleloader
1: hunting, which is coming up this weekend. Yes, we're right on the cusp of it. Uh, Tony, you're going to meet in just a minute. He always says uh, muzzleloading is his favorite time of the year. So. Oh,
2: all day long, my man.
1: should have plenty to say. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a good fall, been a good archery season. Uh, it's
0: still a little warm, but uh, I think it's like
2: eighty degrees today while we're standing
0: here. I know. Can you believe that? I know. It's almost
2: November. <laughs> I know.
0: People are having fun though. People are getting outdoors. I've seen some. I've seen some decent deer. People are having a good time out there. And uh, but this is my favorite time of year. Oh, absolutely, man. The colors. It's football season. I said that last show, I think. And it's deer season. It's it's time to get the muzzlers out there. They're rutting. They're moving. It's gonna be fun. Great to be you in bet. Tennessee. And, Sure yes. and I, I gotta mention you two Vols. I mean, you know, <laughs> I knew it. after the Alabama win, and then Did
2: they won something last week. Yeah, they won. I, I was something. in a tree stand; yeah. I didn't get to watch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, pulling for the balls, pulling for the Valls. Uh, Tony, you are with BPI Outdoors, uh, and tell us a bit about yourself, kind of how you got to where you are today, and, and then we'll dive into muzzleloader hunting.
2: Well, um, I got to be quite honest with you. If if I talk about that. We're going to have to pull up a chair and ask for more airtime. Um, but at the end of the day, I've been a very blessed individual. Uh, I, I've been working in the hunting industry, well, the better part of 30 years, which sort of dates me here now. Um, but I started in the outdoor industry at 19 years old as an outdoor rider. Um, nice. I, and at, at that time, there was no, no cell phones, no technology, no, no emails, none of this thing, this <laughs> iPad business, there was none of that. So, like, when I wanted to be an outdoor rider, It took months just to get somebody to even, because I had to snail mail, Uh write somebody Uh a letter to the editor and go, hey, I sure would like to write this article about hunting with a muzzleloader. Well, six months later, I'd get a snail mail right back in the mail. So it's been a huge uh, change from when I started to where I'm at now. Uh, But I started out as an outdoor writer. Uh, I started out writing for our home state publication called Tennessee Outdoor News. Okay. Um, So I was 19 at that time. I ended up purchasing the magazine when uh, I I was about 24 or 25, uh, ran it for 10 years. And as I was doing that... I realized that you had to come up with queries, basically submissions, things you wanted to write about. Mm. And the 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 publication I love to read most and still love to today is North American Whitetail. It's about big whitetail. Mm -hmm. And at the time, Tennessee at the time did not have big whitetail. We're getting better. better. We we do now. (laughs) So I would read North American Whitetail uh, to read about these big bucks and how these guys harvest these big bucks. And I noticed that most of these big bucks were from the Midwest at the time. Okay, well. I grew up hunting with a 270 here in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Well, Me guess too. what they don't allow in the Midwest? <laughs> High-powered rifles. High-powered <laughs> rifles. Yeah. So I had to pick up a muzzleloader. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started hunting with a night muzzleloader, an MK-85. That MK-85 uh, came out in 1985. I started shooting it in 1993, I believe it was. Uh, so I started really falling in love with a muzzleloader because I had no choice but to hunt with a muzzleloader if I wanted to ride about adventures and big bucks and things like that so I sure. had to go basically where the big bucks lived mm. again at that time it was not here in our home state of Tennessee <laughs> um, so I started hunting exclusively through the midwest and basically just dropped hunting with a centerfire because I spent most of my time hunting those midwestern states to try to find big deer mm. and I realized that I was really enjoying and I like the challenge I like the challenge of taking a single bullet and measuring some powder and putting in the gun, cause I, I, I'm a mechanical minded guy, I like building hot rods and building things. And when you shoot a muzzleloader, you kind of build a load every time and you understand what mechanically makes them work. I, that's what drives me to a muzzleloader, I think, mm-hmm. uh, other than the great opportunities across the country. Um, but. You, could lo- you would load your powder, load your bullet, and I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I loved tweaking the loads from 80 grains, 90 grains, and seeing what they would do and how the groups would change. Um, so that really drew me in. So when I was riding for TUN, most of my stuff uh, was about muzzle loaders And then I inadvertently crossed paths with somebody that worked at Knight Rifles. Okay. Um, started by Tony Knight, the, basically the the reason we're here today, the reason we have N-Lines today. He created the inline in 1985, uh, the MK-85. So I started working for those guys kind of as a pro staff guy, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And ended up started writing uh, monthly columns in their – Paper, if you will, magazine uh, called. Their magazine was called Up in Smoke. Uh, so I would write articles in their publication and end up writing all the safety and instructional DVDs for every gun. So every time somebody bought a night muzzleloader, it would come out with a instructional DVD about how to use and clean and maintain your muzzleloader properly. Well, I was the guy behind the scenes actually writing those DVDs wow. uh, and, then, and then got What's into... What's a DVD? No, I'm just right, <laughs> Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. For again, you kids listening. Again, dating me right now. <laughs> again, dating me. Um, and then eventually stepped in front of the camera, as we are here today, mm-hmm. uh, and started hosting the DVDs that I was writing behind the scenes for. So I got in very intrigued about television, if you will. So from there, I stopped being so much of an outdoor rider and stepped into doing more television stuff and ended up hosting their television show on the Outdoor Channel for many years called Night Rifles, Born to Hunt. Mm -hmm. Um, So after that, I was just, muzzleloaders all in. I didn't pick up a centerfire, well, until like three years ago. So I went full muzzleloader for like 20 years. Wow. Yeah. And that was from Newfoundland to Alaska and then pretty much everything in between, hosting those outdoor TV shows and all... With an inline. Well, when
0: we first met, uh, we went on a turkey hunt together, Governor's one-shot turkey hunt. Mm-hmm. That was an awesome hunt. If you hadn't seen that, go back to our YouTube channel. It's still out it's there. Still there? It's still out My there. My
2: goodness. And it's stuff goes on the internet. Lives on forever, <laughs> it apparently. Does. Be careful Keeps what you going. put on there, kids. <laughs> but that's an
0: awesome hunt. It needs to stay there. People need to watch it. But mm-hmm. you were shooting a CVA that day. Mm-hmm. But it was the 12. You had the 12 gauge barrel on it, which I think that's is right. cool about CVA. You swap out those barrels, and, and I guess you yep. can still do that these days.
2: Well, we've drifted away from that, but okay. that, that gun was called an Apex, and it had the interchangeable barrels from I got the you, two, two, yeah. three, three. Hundred win and to the 12-gauge turkey gun that we yeah. were using mm-hmm. on that particular
0: That hunt. was a fun hunt, but we, we won't linger there, but
2: <laughs> most loaders are awesome,
0: and that's why we're here today to talk about yes. it. I'd- uh, I think that's uh, an awesome story. How you come from the ground up? I mean, no doubt. You know, I, out. I
2: just knew that I wanted to be in the outdoor industry. Your paper just blew off. Oh, right let's there.
0: catch that. You keep going.
2: I just knew I wanted to be in the outdoor industry, um, and and it wasn't for obviously for fame or fortune. I I kind of grew up in a situation where here in Tennessee, I grew up as a coon hunter mm. from four years old till I could carry a wheat light. Some of you guys may know what a wheat light is. I carried a wheat light on my side with a helmet on, and a little hat or a hat lamp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we coon hunted for years, and then. Um, things change as you get older and i found cars and girls and and found other things that i shouldn't have been into some alcohol abuse of course as a teenager you try to do everything in the world and i was going down the wrong path hmm. as 12 well, 13 14 15 16 a little bit of blur those years but I, I met a kid uh in high school that was a big bow hunter he yeah. goes hey man you ever tried bow hunting i'm like "Nah, oh, man i sure haven't he said well let's try it Wow! I'm like, sure, okay. That's cool. So yeah. he got me into bow hunting uh, and did not really, I didn't realize at the time what a bad place I was in. I thought I was the mm-hmm. cool kid, but I w- wasn't in a bad spot. And this kid got me into bow hunting, which literally captivated every ounce of my time. And stopped me from the Friday night, Saturday night parties. Therapy of the outdoors. <laughs> outdoors saved me. Yeah. No, All jokes aside, the outdoors saved me. So when I got to like 18 and 19, when my frontal lobe was developing and I smartened up and I, I look back and I go, outdoors saved me, man. I could be in jail or dead wow. by yes, now. Cool. So I knew that I wanted to start promoting the outdoors because if it could save me. It could save somebody else. Definitely. So I want to start telling my stories and my travels and the fun, not to brag, but I want to tell the fun that I was having in the outdoors and my avenue at that time was writing, and, and, of course, the start was Tennessee Outdoor News. But mm-hmm. the re- what got me here today is I wanted to be in outdoors because I wanted to save somebody like it saved me or help save somebody like it saved me. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's awesome. I so know somebody's probably feeling that same the, thing. The, the point of that is if, if you want to be something in life and you want to be that bad enough, you can be it because I am not an educated guy. I didn't go to – I barely got through. Here, here's a crazy fooled me because you know life. So. Here, here's crazy. So my worst <laughs> subject in high school, English. Hmm. And, I'm, and, here and, and I'm here today. And I'm here today because I started out as an outdoor writer for how 10 years. Yeah. But I read enough to educate myself reading through publications of how Something I need to be. interested in. Yeah, I was interested yeah. in it. In, and basically um, – that changed my world and got me where I'm at today and talking here at this amazing facility here in yeah. East Tennessee. Yeah. So if you want to be awesome. something, you can be it. You just got to want to be it bad enough. Awesome. And awesome. I, That's
0: inspiring. We could cut I'm, the show off there if you want, to. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Thanks
2: for I, tuning in. I ain't real smart, but I don't quit.
1: <laughs> I tell you, he's one of these 110% guys. Whatever he's doing, oh, yeah. he's into Oh, yeah. It. yeah. It's both All feet. the way. It's both feet, bro. Oh, I love it, man. <laughs> well, 110% into muzzleloading.
0: It's coming up this weekend. What do folks need to be thinking about, say, They've been hunting archery season all year all, all long, but they've been trying to switch over. What do you tell them? Just to get them started and then we'll jump in deeper.
2: So, in, in my personal opinion, I think that muzzleloading, the muzzleloader season, not just in our in our vol state here, but across the country, muzzleloader season is typically the best time to be in the timber. Amen. Number one, you're the first guy in the timber with a bang stick. Mhm. And when you pull one of these babies out, it's no longer catch and release. Oh, man, I saw him yesterday <laughs> at 60 yards. Don't let him show up muzzleloader season at 60 yards mm-hmm. so That's it's almost too close. All right. So you're the first guy on the timber with a bang stick. Uh, and then, of course, the weather's typically getting right. Mm. Um, and then all through the Midwest – Um, the really great states, everybody talks about big bucks, and and even when you you get into Kansas and Oklahoma um, and Nebraska, they all have amazing muzzleloader seasons that if you don't pick up one of these, you guys are missing the boat because these Mm -hmm. extend your opportunity to be in the timber at a really good time. Either early season like we're coming into uh, probably pre-rut sort of here in Tennessee or late season Nebraska when bucks are Back on feeding patterns, and they're coming to the same food source every day. And if you're not hunting with a muzzleloader, you don't get the opportunity to see that. Yeah. And even better, even better is when you go to Kansas. Kansas has an early muzzleloader season like September 10th. Hmm. Well, guess what the bucks are doing at that time? Every one of them is coming to the same food source every day with all their cousins. Mm Mm-hmm. 15 bucks show up in the field every day at four o'clock <laughs> a lot of social activity it's though, like yeah. going to the grocery store when you go to the mm-hmm. grocery store you want to buy a steak you don't go look at one steak you look at 15 i'm <laughs> going mm, you know i kind of like that fatty one right there <laughs> yeah so in kansas if you have a muzzleloader you have an opportunity to hunt bucks when they're all together and they're doing wow. the same thing every pattern day. pattern them and take your piss yes. wow yes where want. we're in tennessee yes great time weather's getting good but it can be hit or miss because they're starting to think about ladies again. Right, mm-hmm. right. And now that's oh, he's not on camera anymore because he's not on two farms over. Mm-hmm. So the rut's a, a little bit of luck in my personal opinion. Sure. Um, but with a muzzleloader, you have an opportunity to hit so many different um, sections of season, early season, rut, and then late season. And that's with a muzzleloader.
0: Well, the, our past show, one of the most recent shows we shot, we talked about how that transition's happening, and and those bucks are now, like you said, with those does hanging out in different areas than what you're used to. Uh, it's it, your, your mindset has to change, right? Oh, I mean, you bet. It, it's just it's a new it's a new game.
2: I know everybody right now is is changing uh, is changing their cameras, they're changing stand sets because they're going off the uh, acorns and now they're getting on scrape lines and things like that so it's time to shift
0: you stay mobile with your stands
2: or do you are you pretty much finding a stand you stay in there <sighs> you know i I have multiple stands on multiple farms for every different wind direction in the world, Mm. but I typically keep them on lock-on style or ladder stand style. I don't really climb with a climber anymore. Mm. I'm getting a little older. (laughs) Um, So I I like to put them up early, but deer are creatures of habit. Most of the farms I've hunted, I've hunted for years. Mm. So I got history. I already know what they're going to do before they're going to do it, sort of. Where they're going to do it at. Yep. So Mm -hmm. I have lock-ons up in preparation for that. So now it's time to shift. Lock-on's already up. Already been in there in August to make sure the straps are good, make sure everything's tight, make sure the seat's good. I'll just have to change with them. I think I that's a, you
1: said that. a, yeah. a good point to make to a lot of newer hunters. You know, deer will typically do the same thing in the same place year after year after year, unless there's something that has pushed them out completely and discouraged Fair. them from that area, but they will leave those scrapes and rubs, and have that social interaction pretty much in the same areas year after year. They're right?
2: very Correct. they're very repetitious critters. And and so you think about it, you think, oh, well, maybe that's not true because I shot the big buck off my farm last year. Well, I like to say when one dies, three come to the funeral. Because <laughs> you kill that big buck, guess what? Somebody's going to take over his spot. That's right. And he, he may not have been the guy you saw on that scrape line last year, but yeah. I guarantee he's been to that scrape Correct. line because that scrape line is a social... Hangout for everybody. So even though that spike buck showed up that scrape line last year, he might be an eight-pointer this year, or whatever the case may be. Right. He'd be a bigger buck this at. year, and he, he wasn't a man last year, mm-hmm. but he could be the man this year back on the same scrape line, though.
0: Exactly. Creatures yeah. of habit. Yep. Yep, for sure. I'm. I'm. One thing I'm glad you mentioned was that safety aspect, checking those straps and stuff. You That's bet, something man. we don't talk about enough. Is the tree stand safety. you right. You know, wear that harness. Make sure your straps are not dry rotted from the year before. Make
2: sure and the squirrels ain't eat them.
0: That's true. Yep. It can be dangerous, so d- double check those. And and if you're one of those hunters who like to leave it out all year around, make sure you check it for that next season.
2: That's me. <laughs> That's you. Maybe because I'm getting lazy. <laughs> so, but I do you, go ahead and check the straps.
0: <laughs> you talked about. Uh, you talked about hunting property you've hunted all your whole life but what about that that public land guy who's maybe new to an area hitting that public land he knows it's muzzleloader season What what's your tips for him i mean he's coming
2: in blind are you looking for some of the same sign you're looking for on a private land so so in front of me he's bolt action muzzleloaders break open muzzleloaders with adjustable cheek pieces all this fancy stuff all this is the new bullets here mm-hmm. all this yep. is technology yep. Well, this phone right here has given us a lot of technology, too, and helped us to hunt new properties like Onyx maps and all these base maps and all this kind of stuff. How'd I know he's going there? What? <laughs> and, what and I, and I, and I, and I don't work for neither one of those right. guys, but I do use them a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like, literally, you can go, hey, Tony, I got a piece of property in Kentucky. How about you check it out? I'm like, yeah, ain't no sense driving up there. i just pull this baby up, do-do-do-do-do-do, find it, and I know right where to put a tree stand at just by looking at it from the sky. Yeah. Maybe in this country here, in this elk country, it may be a little tougher. Yeah, there ain't no bottlenecks and draws over here much. <laughs> how, you know? uh,
1: can you give a, a, a two-minute uh, tutorial no, on how you read the land I can't do two minutes, do two minutes like on that. nothing. Huh? No, you ain't kidding. <laughs> 20, 20 minutes. What do people look for if they're going in blind to hunt a place? What, we want to set up a, a stand Muzzleload hunt. You know, so
2: if you if First you, you if for. you read an article um, or read a publication, there's probably going to be some article in there of how to how to deer hunt, um, where to find big buck sign, all this kind of stuff. That's what's in the that's what's in the print publications now. That's what sells? That's what sales now. Yep. Yep. And and like literally when they talk about uh, bottlenecks and pinch points and draws and funnels, a lot of that stuff makes sense to me when I think about a funnel, it's how to get oil in a car engine, but basically they mean it's a pinch point. It goes from here to here. Well, when you find one of those, everybody's going to go through there because it's a tight spot. And that typically is where a field narrows down or something like that. Mm-hmm. You can find them from the sky in about 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Go, oh, yep. That ain't, I ain't never been there, but I'm going to put a tree stand right there. So from the sky, you always try to look, try to look for those pinch points because that's always the place where deer is going to travel because they're not going to come through the timber and then just blankly run out across a 40 acre field unless they're being pushed by something Mm -hmm. they're going to hold the cover and from the sky it's pretty easy to read yeah and again i'm not a real smart guy but it's pretty easy to read
1: (laughs) can can you see deer trails on on x have you ever zoomed in that much where you could identify Uh, winter trails so
2: so not so much here but like iowa all day long oh yeah wow the trails up there as wide as this table and about that deep main street main street bro main street so you can see stuff like that especially it and of course it depends too when they took the photo for onyx or whatever sometimes sometimes they have foliage where you just can't see down into it because of the canopy but sometimes you can so yes you can
1: there you go that was two minutes hey that's good yeah and
2: i've just
0: skimmed across the top too boy no doubt (laughs) well we're here about muzzleloaders and i'm and i I love cva i I shoot a cva myself it's an old one but they're good guns let's show some folks if they're new to hunting you know whether they buy a cva or not what are they looking for for the season what do you suggest when they go shopping for one and then let's get to the range and talk about sighting a man being ready
2: well you know there's in today's world just like going to a car dealership there's 50 different kind of makers on the shelf. You know, we have other companies that that are in the business as well. Uh, Fortunately for us, we've been in business since 1971. Uh, We are the number one muzzleloader manufacturer in the world, Mm -hmm. um, I feel very precious that we probably make the best the best Mm -hmm. in the world today Um, and you know it comes down to caliber choice and and fit and feel Um, uh, like this gun here this gun here is our new HTR this is a bolt-action gun Uh, this gun here is a Acura LRX which is a break open style Um, this gun is not for everybody it just takes a little more effort to utilize Um, this break open style much easier to use Mm. Um, I, I think the biggest caveat is what distance do you plan on hunting or shooting i should say not hunting and in what- tennessee you're not a lot of long range right right and so so then that then that separates us down from 45 caliber or 50 caliber mm. um so uh since being in the muzzle loading side of the outdoor industry the 45 caliber has come and gone like three different times it's like it's a rocket ship it'll come in and it's awesome and then to get right to the top where you think it's going to hang on, and it just dives away and falls off again. Um, so, four years ago we started playing with bringing the 45 caliber out again, but we we, we changed things up. And I think the reason that the 45 uh, come in so quick and then went out so quick is that back in the day we were shooting, or we were basically trying to make the 45 caliber a rocket ship. We were shooting uh, wicked small bullets. Like 200 grain bullets, some 175s, mm-hmm. really short bullets. Um, and if you think about it, um, if you if you're a bow hunter, um, if you remember, golly, this dating thing. All right, so it's, this dates me too. Okay, uh, so do you remember the days of the overdraw when everybody shot really mm-hmm. short arrows? Yeah. Well, they wanted speed. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's like the 45 caliber. You come in, and you don't see anybody shooting overdraw anymore. Everybody shoots full length arrows right. because a longer projectile whether it's air shaft or a bullet stabilizes better in flight so everybody would get the 45 thinking oh they're super fast but then they realize that they lost steam quickly because the bullet's so small it didn't have four to move inertia mm-hmm. uh no no different than me standing here as a 200 pound guy or a big giant linebacker standing over here at 400 pound or whatever they weigh um if we're both running side by side, and we both slam on the brakes, it's gonna be harder for him to stop it as That's me. Right. He's got more force. He's got more force yeah. moving forward. Mm-hmm. So I think that the demise of the 45 caliber over the course of time has been that we always shot smaller bullets. Uh, today, uh, this bullet here, we designed specifically for our 45 caliber. Uh, this is a Power Belt ELR. This is a 285. uh So it's, it's quite heavy, but it's also extremely long. Yeah, and yeah. the longer the projectile, long air, short air, the longer the arrow, the longer the bullet, the better it stabilizes in flight. The more oh. kinetic energy it has, um, uh, the better it flies at distance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think now that we've stepped into the technology world, uh, the last four or five years, and to loading the 45 caliber is here to stay. So, so the biggest choice is is how far you want to shoot. Um, the 45 caliber is great at close range, but really is built for long-range muzzleloading, where a 50 caliber, still kind of a fat bullet, Mm -hmm. still kind of short and squatty. Um, So if you're going to be 200 in, 50 caliber's your man. If you want to be 100 to 700, 45 caliber is your play wow
1: that wasn't even in the discussion that kind of yardage a few years ago hey it's out of nowhere bro yeah with a muzzle
2: yeah in in 1992 when i started this game it's dates man 1992 (laughs) we was 75 yards was our play
1: Seventy-five.
2: Seventy-five? That's just getting cranked I can up. throw this gun pretty good <laughs> at 75 yards, bro. Uh, so, yes, things have has oh changed gosh. tremendously. And uh, here's another thing. We're kind of getting into a rabbit hole here. But uh, if you're a reloader or a centerfire guy, one, one of the things that's very important to you when you pick a projectile is ballistic coefficient. Mm. And ballistic coefficient is basically, in layman's terms, how this bullet cuts through the wind. We have never, ever, 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 ever talked about ballistic coefficient in a muzzleloading projectile until like three years ago because basically we were shooting a big hunk of lead <laughs> and there was no bc it's like shooting a piece of plywood yeah it didn't cut through wind that's the reason we were talking it's this 75 yard yeah. business yeah. um but today we're talk we talk ballistic coefficient of muzzleloading bullets now hmm. so uh, amazing push forward from just not too many years ago before you go too far on
1: on something else i do want to mention these bullets they don't they're not just accurate they kill oh man i will vouch for them all day Mm -hmm. i think we've shot seven deer since we've started hunting with these and recovered every one of them your old power belt not to pick on power belt we lost a lot of deer that we shot what looked to be good shots on them just it wouldn't ever recover them you bet these did the job
2: yeah so the elrs are a totally redesigned projectile even though it still is under the power belt brand we still make it in our same facility that we've made power belts Years ago, but it kind of goes along the same premises of what we talked about today: technology, headphones, technology, guns, technology. Um, we've changed the the projectile makeup. Basically, yes, it's a power belt, still has a gas check at the back, still has a copper coating on the side, um, but we made them to where that they perform under magnum charges that we shoot in muzzlers today to where they don't come apart where they don't flatten out they have controlled expansion expansion uh by putting uh a certain material inside the layer that i can't mention <laughs> um but they it it's you know the old saying is it's not it's not your granddaddy's bullet yeah it ain't your granddaddy's bullet you know the, the power belts that you're talking about um yes uh they do have a bad rap when you do a search on the World Wide Web, but those bullets that you are talking about—they're shooting bullets that we designed years ago uh, to shoot 80 grains of powder, and that was Goex mm-hmm. black powder. Is when old school, old school, legit black yeah, powder. Yeah, and now they're still taking some of those bullets, just being uneducated, and they're running them in hot rods like these, okay. and they just don't perform. Hmm. These these ELR. So if you see an ELR bullet, whether it's a 40 or 45 or a 50, they're a whole new makeup and match your powder matchy powder, man. They're mm-hmm. wicked. Yep, they are wicked. So, yes, I, it, it doesn't bother me to hunt with these here whatsoever. They're amazing projectiles, and we're talking BC, controlled expansion, and our 40-cow, we're talking 2,700 feet per second muzzle velocity. I mean, they're they're awesome. And, you know, the great thing about what I do here at CVA, I, I work with all aspects of media, and that's TV shows and magazine owners, editors, publishers, YouTubers, podcasters. I get to work with every line of media, so I hear a lot of, of wonderful stories, and yes, it is hunting season, and of course, right now, out west those guys have already been through muzzle loading season and for elk and mule deer and stuff like that so lucky on those dudes but i'm getting wonderful stories on a daily basis right now of where guys are taking these new paramount guns and a 45 caliber and efficiently and very effectively harvesting elk at 600 yards mm. And i know it seems like oh my goodness that that's a stretch yeah. it is but with with optics like we have today uh and modern propellants like Blackhorn two oh nine and modern bullets that is designed to shoot with today's guns, that stuff's very possible. They're doing it all they've been doing it for the last two months in out west in Utah, Idaho, all those great western states has got elk. speaking mm. of elk. Yeah. yeah. And, and
1: like you told me before, I mean I bought one of these things to these guys. They introduced me to it. It's it's an awesome gun, but they will mail this gun to your doorstep. Mm-hmm. That's what's awesome about it.
2: That is pretty awesome. I- explain that. To so it's like, it's like a, a, if you go to Amazon, <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> now you're good. I always got a comedian that much. Um, so it's, it's like, I say, it's like going to Amazon and buy a pair of socks. You order it on Amazon three days later, it's on your doorstep. These, these guns are the same way. Um, so there's other bolt action, long range loaders on the market that you can purchase today, Uh But the CVA uh, line or family of Paramounts, which we have the original Paramount, and we have the HTR, and then we have the Paramount Pro. Uh, So we have three in the family um, right now. And they're the only bolt-action muzzleloader on the market um, that you cannot alter when it leaves us. So even though it's based off a Remington 700 platform and it's bolt-action, it is always and can only be a muzzleloader. So it ships right to your door, just like a Wolf would, which is our entry level muzzleloader. Mm, so sure, sir. yeah, man,
0: a lot of information. We didn't even cover everything. I Can't believe it's over. Yeah, right. it, time flies by. Muzzleloader season is opening up this weekend. It's the 5th through the 18th. Go, 18th. Yep. go look at the website, tnwildlife.org. Make sure you check your guide. Matt's got one right here in front of us. Uh, Page 18 of the current hunting guide. There you go. Muzzle loading regulations. Perfect. Uh, get outside and enjoy what Tennessee has to offer uh, you got beautiful stuff like this you got great hunting great fishing Tony I thank you for being with us hey man oh I appreciate gosh. the opportunity to be here bro. so much information you traveled a long way to help us out and I appreciate yeah. it um, get out there and, and try one of these guns out and if you don't try one of these get a different one and Go muzzleloader, honey. It's the a wolf, great time is, of year.
1: The Wolf is no slouch. No, it was the yeah. acu- They're awesome guns, so I don't feel like, oh, I've got to go for the, the Mac Daddy Ferrari. Those are fantastic the guns. The Wolf I are awesome.
2: Probably them. the number one selling muzzleloader in the world Ooh. is the Wolf. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. sure enough. They work. If you have any questions, guys, you can always go to cva.com. There's videos there, and, of course, all kind of information on these guns, and, and you can break them down as far as weight and trigger pull and length of pull and barrel length and all the mechanical information you need to know to help you make a decision.
1: Awesome. And where can people find you? tony on social media so you.
2: Uh, because of all the traveling i do and hunting i get to do um everybody knows me as traveling hunter so anything traveling, traveling hunter and that's redneck traveling hunter no <laughs> g traveling traveling hunter, traveling hunter. hunter. <laughs> yeah man
0: check him out thank you for watching and we'll see you next time take care guys thanks for tuning in stay connected with twra by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org and follow us on facebook twitter and instagram